I'm not just saying this because you dudes are here. Dude, y'all have a great podcast here. This thing's going to take, it's going to continue to take off. Wake your ass up! Hi, this is Sean Clinch, the host of Stories Inside the Man Cave, and I want to offer a big thank you to each and every one of you who continue to download our podcast. We are celebrating our one-year anniversary, and we have some big plans on the horizon, and we would love for you to be a part of it as a sponsor of Stories Inside the Man Cave. We would love for your business or product to become a sponsor of Stories Inside the Man Cave. There are three sponsorship tier groups you can select from. For more information on that, give us a tweet, a private message to at Stories Man Cave, or if you have a nonprofit charitable organization, send me that as well to at Stories Man Cave. As for the next episode, let's ride. Wake your ass up or take a damn nap. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. It's time. I mean, Sean, you were twerking. That's going to happen. <laughs> Murph, don't be a dick all your life. This is uh, one, of, one of the more fun podcasts I've ever done. Hey, I'll tell you what. If you're not talking about sports in the man cave, you... No, I bet not. So you're not a big That's it. <laughs> Well, I think we can all agree, you at home listening, everyone in uh, in the man cave right now, that springtime is arguably the best time of year in the ATX, the weather. Uh, and right now, COVID stronghold is easing up. It's NFL draft week. Texas baseball is in contention for everything. And the pride of Pearland, Texas is in the man cave. But before we introduce him, Hardball Harge and Big Mike, we got to give a shout out and love to our sponsor, Jim Saxton, former Longhorn of Westlake OG. He will service all of your insurance needs. He's trustworthy and he's a friend of the community. And by the way, his dad was a Longhorn legend and a Heisman finalist. And you can contact Jim Saxton either on his website, saxtoninsurance.com, or shoot him an email. He will talk and he is responsive. Jim at saxtoninsurance.com. Harbaugh Harch, I know we're about to introduce a guy that uh, I believe you were, when you were being recruited by the University of Texas baseball program, this guy was played a significant role in that. And before we talk about him, we want to direct all of you to our social media platforms, at Stories Man Cave, our Facebook page, which is only 18 years behind, and our Instagram <laughs> platform as well. Harbaugh Harch. I, I, you know, it's always, I'm always introducing these guests, but I feel like there is a true brotherly tie-in to Kirk Dressendorfer, and I would love for you to jump in and introduce your brother. Absolutely. This is a guy that he needs no introduction. If you know anything about the Texas Longhorn uh, baseball team and the trips to Omaha and the great players that come through the university, and yes, I am a little biased when it comes to this guy because he was one of the toughest son of a guns out there and he let you know it. And you were right, Sean, part of my recruitment and the reason why I wanted to come to the University of Texas was because of this man right here. His name is Kurt Dressendorfer. He was a first round or supplemental, right? First round yes. pick of the Oakland A's the same year that I ended up getting drafted by Montreal, but Kirk played a very, very big part in the university's success. Kirk 
Dressendorfer, who's got a son who just won district championship at Round Rock. So if you look at the video, don't be alarmed. That's just maroon for Round Rock. Kurt Dressendorfer will never, ever wear the maroon. The Rock, baby. Yeah, the, the Rock, rock yep. baby. It's for The Rock. <laughs> Kurt Dressendorfer. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Happy to be here with you guys. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. You know, Kirk, you and I have talked uh, last week on the Harge Knox Life with Ty Harrington. But, you know, every time we get a chance to catch up and, and, and look at what's going on at the university, we always have to go backwards. And I, I think it's important for people to understand what made you choose the University of Texas. And I know you bleed that burnt orange, but I want you to explain it to the people on why you made that decision. No, great question. I, you know, going through that process, and and as you said, my my youngest son's a senior, so you know, recently, not only him but the kids I coach and watching them go through, you know, trying to, you know, get get to an opportunity to play at the next level, it, a lot goes into it. I was very fortunate. You you, you it, I think the process starts your sophomore year, really junior year. You start getting some exposure. So, uh, how it came about with the University of Texas. You know, I, my whole town of uh, Pearland pretty much went to Texas A&M back in the day. I think it was because we all were already we already had maroon. So, we, you know, a lot, a lot of them already you know, went that way. And if I actually had gone there, you had Keith Langston, who was two years older than me. And Randy Pryor was a year older than me. We potentially could have had all three starters come from the same high school playing at Texas A&M, which would have been pretty, pretty rare. But, uh, you know, uh, A&M had different, you know, wants and needs at the time. You know, I, I was, you know, in contact with them quite a bit. Uh, they were going after, at the time, more left-handed pitching, which I get in that ballpark made sense. Uh, got recruited late with, uh, with Texas. Um, you know, I, I give a lot of credit to Doug Gassaway, longtime Texas Ranger scout. Um, actually came up to, to Austin for an unofficial visit. Uh, it's now Louisiana Lafayette. Back in back then, it was the USL Raging Cages. <laughs> We're playing a doubleheader, and I was getting recruited heavily by USL. And so it was kind of killed two birds with one stone. Came up, uh, and Mr. Gassaway was, uh, you know, Coach Guest called me into the to, to the club in, into the locker room, and we had a conversation a little bit briefly before the game, and then between the doubleheaders, and you know. Doug Gassaway really, really convinced Coach Gus that, uh, you know, I would be a good fit for the University of Texas. And, you know, it ended up working out. And, uh, you know, when you get an opportunity to play at the University of Texas, it's, it, 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 it's a lifetime opportunity that you can't really turn down hard. You, you, you know that. I mean, uh, you know, it's always prestigious. But back then it was – there was about – four programs that you saw at Omaha year in year out. And I remember talking to my dad, you know, the only hesitation is, can I play there? And I wanted to play. I wanted to uh, play immediately. Uh, my dad's response was, Hey, somebody's got to play for the New York Yankees, right? You know, it, 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 <laughs> it, 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 you know, go take a shot. If you get an opportunity, you might as well go find out if you're good enough at an early age. If you're not, go on, get your degree and get on with your life. So that's kind of how it worked out. Yeah, Kirk, uh, you know, playing off of what Hard said, uh, you know, called you a high level competitor. 
And when, when I envision a high-level competitor, I'm not just talking about talent. You know there's something within an individual. I know we say it's cliche. It's right here. The heart. Mm-hmm. The heart of a champion, the, the will, determination, and, and the mental mindset. And that, that describes what successful pitchers have. Now, having said that, and that describes you to a T, because I was a young high schooler. No offense to both of you. You were a couple of years older than me, or three. <laughs> and I watched you, and we would go. I remember your first year in 88, and I think that season ended in the regionals against Cal. Cal. Mm-hmm. But 15 complete games in one season in 1988 as a freshman, and I emphasize freshman. That's hard for anyone to take the mound, to be the guy. And we all know, well, people may not know this, but Coach Gus was very lenient, if you will, as far as, hey, we'll milk you for every pitch if you feel like you can do it. How did you approach that by the will and desire to go and and, and not worry about your overall health and, and say, I will finish this game? And you did it 15 times that one season. Uh, I, th- I have to give some credit to my, a lot of credit to my high school coach, um, you know, coming back, cu- coming up through uh, Pearland, we were a very competitive program and pitching, I think my sophomore and junior year in high school, a lot of tight games, a lot of good competition. I blew some early games and, and I've coached now. It's hard because the easy way, the, the easy way out, right? Hard. You, you go in with a one nothing, two to one lead going into the last inning, whether it's the seventh or the ninth inning. All of a sudden, everything you've been doing up to that point, now you got to try a little harder. Now you got to do a little more. And next thing you know, you're pitching around, guys. You've got you know, now you've walked your first couple of batters. You've put yourself in a bind. You've changed your entire approach. I failed. I failed early in high school, and my coach let me fail, which says a lot, right? I mean, me being a coach, I go out there and say, I'm going to watch a kid fail a couple of times and I may get, may get my closer ready if this guy can't figure out how to, how to close a game out. But my coach, you're going to work through it and you're going to figure it out. And, and, and I give him a lot of credit because when I got to the University of Texas, I was, was given that opportunity to, to, to figure out how to keep your mind right, your, fo- your focus, your concentration, your approach. Don't change everything that's been working up to that point. So when I got to, to the University of Texas, was in those positions, I had over, I'd already overcome that, 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 that challenge or barrier and being able to close games out. So, you know, it's, it, it's a lot, it's a true testament to my high school coach getting me ready to go to the next level and have success. And, you know, I think that's overlooked a lot of times and because uh, you do have to work it. I, you know, you watch it in the major leagues, guys, you know, are different pitchers and some of it's because they tire, but the approach, you know, now you start getting a little, little tight, a little nervous and you're pitching around guys, the whole approach changes. So, uh, that that really got me ready to have that type of success, and you just train your your mind and body to to finish it out. Don't rely on 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 other people. Uh, have the stamina, have the mental concentration, and and just stay with that plan. Well, one of the things too, Kirk, that we can continue to look at too is the conditioning part of it. You know, you you trained yourself to be able to go deep into ball games because of your stamina. Um, 
Nolan Ryan talks about that all the time. And, and he pretty much made his living the same way, you know, doing the fundamental things, looking at that approach, not backing down. And I'm not saying that that's not the approach to a lot of major league guys right now, but everybody's on a pitch count. Everybody's mm. a, either a setup guy, you know, the, the true starter anymore isn't there. Um, I always try to take it back to, What's his name? Uh, the manager, John Madden, Madden, Madden. He always, Joe Madden, he always tries to do things different, unconventional, starting the game with a middle reliever, then trying to bring in the closer and then letting the starter come in. I mean, just random stuff that, you know, he wants to buck the system. But traditionally, a pitcher, a starting pitcher, back when we were growing up and we sound like old men back in the day, <laughs> but you guys weren't afraid to have those 125 pitch games. Why do you think it has changed so much? Do you think it's because of the quote unquote, and I'm using air quotes for those that can't see the specialty <laughs> pitcher, you know, it, 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 the game has changed so much and I'm kind of over it to be honest with you. No, I th- you're, you're, and you're right. I, I think some of it was to protect the arms. You know, there, there, there is a happy medium somewhere. But what I see today with the rash of, of Tommy John surgeries, yes, you're, you're, you, you implement a pitch limit and, and you have more specialists, but everybody is throwing max effort, spin rate, and we were used to, you know, again, back in the day, I could go out there and not have to pitch max effort. I, I tried to just pitch. I wasn't trying to just light up a radar gun on every single pitch or maximize my spin rate. I, I we didn't even know what spin rate was. I either knew they either, they either hit it or they didn't, you know, that was, that was my version of spin rate. And, uh, you know, it, it was a different game and, and you're right, especially at the major league level, you have guys, you know, the starters expected to go five innings and then you, you almost have to get your middle guys and then you have your, your setup men and you have your closer. So everybody has their role. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but boy, you know, it, it does change the mindset of a starting pitcher. You have very few Max Scherzer's and, you know, I'd say Clayton Kershaw's getting to the end of his career, but very few guys that, you know, you took the ball and you expected them, you know, you're, you're going to watch them. If you go to that game, you're going to see them probably out there seven innings minimum, you know, uh, nowadays you, you see some tremendous stuff, 97 to hundred miles an hour, but you know, they're going to be out there probably five innings and, <laughs> and you're going to see eight other pitchers after that. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and you hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, you know, you talked about Scherzer and, Kershaw, those are two guys that I love watching pitch. And even now, Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole yeah. is somebody oh, yeah. that is really pushing himself to to be an, a, an old school type of pitcher. So speaking of that, now we're transitioning. Let's go to the other side. How would you approach some of these hitters of today? Because now it seems everyone's looking for the launch angle. When if The way that people are striking out now, that is – an unbelievable rate. And you wouldn't have been able to play for coach Gus. If you struck out that much, the game has changed so much. Uh, it would be pretty easy for with your mentality and the way you like to set up the next pitch. I mean, I know you talked about this before. There were games where you didn't throw your 
off-speed pitch until the third or fourth inning. Like you were just pitching up, in, down, up, out, all over the place. Would you take that same approach to some of these hitters today? Because I know you pay attention to a lot of that stuff. Oh, oh, no doubt. I mean, in a lot of ways, you know, and, and we occasionally, uh, I'd probably say it's 25% of the teams back in, back when we were coming up, you know, they were the free swingers and it was more of the American league type of approach where I'm going to try to get a walker or two and then hit a three run homer to win the game. You knew that was going to be a dangerous game because somebody was going to run into one of your, you were going to give up a home run. You, you have to minimize the walks, but you knew you were going to have a high strikeout total. And, and I tried to keep the ball down for the most part and then finish guys up with, with the fastball above the hands uh, when I knew that they were going, you know, free swinging teams. The, the, the opposite side of that, I'd call like the West Coast offense type of, you know, Pepperdines. And, you know, when I was playing in the USA team, a lot of the, the Far East teams, they were more of the coach Gus small ball. They yeah. played for getting a base runner on and almost every inning you were going to have two outs and a runner on third. And they were, <laughs> they were going to get that, you know, somebody on bunt them over and, and move the runners around. So you were always pitching and, and they banked on four out of the nine innings. They were going to get that run across. So completely different. You're going to have a low strikeout total. You weren't going to give up the big inning. So you had to kind of tailor your, your game against the offense you were facing, but, to your point today, it would be I see why some guys just rear back and throw as hard as they can up in the zone, and it's going to be feast or famine. You're going to get a lot of strikeouts <laughs> that way. <laughs> yeah, you you had tremendous control in in obviously high school, college, and even during your your pro career. Now, Kirk Dressendorfer, if you're trying to relate some numbers to this name, uh, when he was at the University of Texas, forty. Five career wins. Now, this is the one that gets me. 462 capital Ks. That's a strikeout. 462 of them. Three-time All-American. 2009 College Baseball Hall of Fame inductee. Here in a little bit, we'll ask a certain question, how you can be in the Hall of Fame but not have a certain jersey retired at your home ballpark. Uh, but – before we get to that, I'll let Harge ask that one because I, there's so many great questions and so many great stories. But this one I, I think is amusing when you look at the, the level of talent that you came out with, that 1990 June amateur draft for MLB, Chipper Jones, Carl Everett, Todd Ritchie, uh, and Todd Van Poppel, both of tech, from the state of Texas, Mike Musina. And then 36th overall, Hard said it. They called it a compensatory pick, I think. But it's still first round in all of our minds. Yep. And that was you, Kurt Dressendorfer. And then in the second round, this guy, our guy, <laughs> our ball Hard from Colleen Ellis. K-Town, baby. K-Town, sure baby. Say two, five, four. I'll say it right this time, 254. There you go. There you go. There you <laughs> so, go. So, Kurt, my question out of that, I know we see perceived talented MLB June amateur drafts, but that one to me was very deep. I mean, is that fair to say? Not trying to be biased here. No, it it, it was, and 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 Harge can attest. You know, we played. You know, you, these guys play against each other a lot more, but that's who you enter pro ball with. <laughs> 
So, so yeah, uh, I played against a lot of those guys in, in college, but you know, you, you immediately start running into those guys when you get to rookie ball and, yeah, and sure. uh, you know, so it, it was a great class to come in on and, you know, it, it, the talent was, uh, it was fun. It was fun to see guys in different uniforms and see, see their careers take off. And, you know, I know the drafts tomorrow night in the NFL, but, you know, I, it, it, you see some guys that you don't think will take off and something clicks and, and, yep. and you see it at, at, at different levels. And other guys, you just are in awe of, wow, this guy's something else. And he's some, whatever reason, injuries or it, it, it just game stops translating at some point. So it, it, it's really an interesting kind of study with guys that you, you play with and against and who makes it and who doesn't. It's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, and you know, you know the names because of, of the success. You know, Chipper Jones mm-hmm. is a Hall of Famer. Mike Messina, Hall of Famer, going to be a Hall of Famer. And then you look at, you know, the number two pick overall was Tony Clark, and he's in charge of the Players Union. You yeah. know, so there's other people that were involved in that draft. And, you know, when, when you look back at that class and all the people, you mentioned Todd Ritchie and Todd Van Poppel. Van Poppel was supposed to be the number one overall pick. Yeah. And he said he wasn't going to go. He was going to go to college and guess where he was going the university of Texas. So, you know, things like that happen. And eventually he and Kirk end up playing together because they were both drafted by the Oakland A's. So yeah. it's a, it's a small, small world. And I, I give Chris Amadeus and we all know Chris Amadeus. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for this because he always talks about baseball family, hashtag baseball family. When you play baseball and you've gone up against the best, it truly is a baseball family because you can reach out to any guy that you played with or, or you hear a name and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember facing that guy or, oh, yeah, I played with him in 88 or something like that. So it truly is a, a unique situation. And I don't know other people talk about fraternities and things like that. But baseball truly is a fraternity because we know the grind in which everyone what that is participating is going through. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I, I think back of, and I'm not trying to make us like, I know hard, you've said this already. I know we're showing our age, but we're not old dudes. <laughs> it was baseball, and, and I, I think, I know sports evolves. Every sport does. Baseball is, is evolving before our very own eyes, and, and it has quickly, especially at the collegiate level with the BB core bats um, that, and that kind of is relative to what we're going to ask now. I know, I know I alluded to it. I know it's a hard question for me to ask because we are not in control of this situation, but honoring a man who is in my eyes, but hard as eyes, a longhorn legend, there's seven retired numbers in UT baseball history, Moreland, Hooten, Clemens, Keesnick, Swindell, Bryant, and then recently Houston Street. When will all four syllables of your last name don the walls of Dishfalk Field? Or is that something that has even been discussed? Or I mean, because you're more than deserving. And I know it's just an opinion, but I honestly believe if, if you were to poll everyone who knows Texas baseball, 99% of them would agree with me. No, it, it, I'd lie if I said it wouldn't be an honor. You know, it, it would be. It's it's not something that keeps me up, one or you know, sleep. You know, I don't <laughs> sleep because of it. But you know, I, I, 
I think Texas has one of a good problem where you have so many great players yeah. and, you know, you, you could, you could make a case for so many guys and, 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 uh, and the women's side, uh, you know, so many, you know, we get the best of the best for many, 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 many years. And, you know, I get, you gotta, you, you have to have some type of uh, governing board and, you know, have some kind of policies. I think the only thing, you know, from, my perspective is it, it, that policy just kind of goes all over the place and all the, you time. Know, all all the, the time. time. So, uh, you know, I have, you know, the, the names you called out are, you know, some of my, you know, friends, dear friends, and, you know, I, 110% deserving each and every one of them. Uh, and you could probably make a case, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be even in the mention, but you could make a case for so many of these other guys that, uh, you know, at Billy some Bates. point yeah, yeah. oh, oh. You know? i mean it, it could go on and on but so it, i feel like you know i I've, I've been blessed to to get in my high school and and the hall of honor at ut and the college baseball hall of fame i mean it, i i feel like you know i've been <laughs> I, i've been wrecking i've been blessed more than more than yeah. i ever probably should be you know this is one of those cherry on top of the cake but you know if it did happen but like i said i understand the the dilemma and the challenge of where, where does it where do you where do you draw the line you know how many people i mean you could you could literally have make a case for probably another 20 guys easy right okay let's do it let's do yeah. it <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know yeah you know swindell made the comment because we had posted it on twitter and swindell said you know normally it's a recognition for um national player of the year or something like that which is fine which right. is fine mm -hmm. but you also have those exceptions you know and and sean you alluded to it he's in the hall of honor at university of texas he's in the college baseball hall of fame obviously he's been recognized by <laughs> others <laughs> let's recognize him at home because I, I i and kirk you and i have been friends for a long time since the day i was being recruited by the university of texas and we've continued our friendship and i'm not saying this because we we're boys but you were right there with Swindale. You were right there with the Roger Clemens. You were right there with those guys, the Burt Hootens. You transcended this program in ways that, want, that, that people truly, truly were inspired by just some of the efforts that you did. You know what I'm saying? Like those, I, I make fun of it, but I'll never forget the regional where you pitched that Friday and you came back that Saturday. And I'm like, wait, wait, what? And you, you competed and you didn't lose velocity. And some may say, well, damn, Gus, you tore up my man's arm. But, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is you told him, give me the damn ball because I want to go to Omaha. So you did everything you could to go to Omaha. And I applaud you for that. I'm thankful that you went to the University of Texas and I got the pleasure of watching you play all the way through because you were a bad son of a gun and, and, you took no prisoners. That's what I loved about it. No, I, I appreciate it. You know, I, like I said, I mean, I, I'm very proud of the, what I was able with my teammates and coaches able to accomplish over a three year period. And, you know, you, you know, as a player, all, all you can do is do your thing when you have an opportunity. And, and you know, I, I felt like when I was there, I, I gave it all, I, everything I had. And, you know, I, you know, having the opportunity to represent the University of Texas was special, you know, and, and you talk about, 
wanting to compete and and you do take it personal when you have the burn orange uh you know back then we played about 70 percent of our our games at at the at the friendly confines of the dish so you know that was special our fans were special the, the, the you know it was just a you know you you took you 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 took it upon yourself to you're going to give it all you got because you know you, you do have high goals and high expectations when when you come and play on the 40 acres and uh you know what I was able to accomplish with my teammates is something that you know uh, you look back now you get a little more perspective like wow you know that was a pretty good run, but uh, you know when you're going through it, you you're worrying about those eight losses more than you were about the 45 wins, right? You know, and that's so. what makes you the competitor that you are. Absolutely, so I, I love the fact that every time someone brings it up, you think about those eight losses instead of those 45 dubs <laughs> because you're like, damn, what could I have done different to get it to make it five losses? And I'll then I want to get rid of those five. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's yeah, that, awesome. Mm. Hey Kurt, I, I, I hards. I, I gotta. I have to make an extension off what you just said because I am still highly pissed about this. 1989. It was perceived <laughs> to be the most, the, one of the worst teams according to the loss record. That's because you guys had injuries, but it's not how you start. It's not how you start. A&M had perhaps one of the best college baseball teams I had ever seen that year, um, but you guys battled and battled and I recall you guys hosted the regional flew through the regional and then coach Gus you guys won it to go to Omaha with the perceived worst a number of losses and you guys were a solid team you Scotty Bryant go down the list I think Newkirk yeah. those guys and coach Gus gets on the PA on the field and says where are the Aggies now after LSU came out of the losers bracket Knocked them out, the number one team. <laughs> but you guys go to Omaha, flew through your bracket, and this is what really angers me to this day. I'm still—I know I got to let it go. CBS took over the contract that year and said, "All right, we just want two the two bracket winners to meet in a one-game championship." You guys were undefeated, hands down. Wichita State had one loss. They beat y'all that day barely. Do you still have ill feelings about that? Because I get nauseous every time I think about it. <laughs> yes, please, please answer this question, Kurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and you I know, want it in the Kurt dressing door. Uh, <laughs> I want the raw Kurt right now. Nah. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't the best scenario to be honest. You know, just the way <laughs> the whole bracket kind of fell. You know the you just felt one team was walking off with the national championship and we had the same three and one record at the tournament, right? You're like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but <laughs> give, give the NCAA credit. They corrected it pretty quickly and said, Hey, this didn't, this, this isn't fair. This didn't work. But I tell you what, there's a big gap between coming in first and winning a national championship mm. and, and, and being in second. And I think our trophy was about, four inches high and you know it, it, you know it, it was uh you know just from a historical perspective you know and I always every time in you know, a national championship game last year watching Trevor Lawrence and Clemson walk off the field is like hey nobody will remember you came in second I mean right. unfortunately that's that's the reality you know you know you had a great season it's a ton of great memories but 
gosh, getting that close in those circumstances, it hurt. I'll tell you that it hurt. I'm going to tell you right now, Sean Clinch remembers who came in second. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 He's still sick to his stomach. Oh my God. I I have flashbacks of that. Now granted, Wichita state had a, was a load of future pros, but still. Was that Eric Wedge and uh, PJ yeah, Forbes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I played yep. with both of those guys coming up too. So. Did you really? Yeah. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, me and Wedge, me and Wedge were together in Triple A together, and PJ and I played together in Double A. Yeah, yeah. I love those. PJ always looked like he was drunk. Like he just had that. <laughs> he just had that look. It was just the way he was. You know what I'm saying? He was just so like laid back and chill. I was like. What? He's about to get three hits today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, you mentioned that 89, the, you know, that, that Aggie team was uh, a special team. And, you know, I was, I was telling my son last night, you know, they, they, and getting those highly competitive games, Vandergriff, you know, and, and you get all fired up. I told him, I said, yeah, we, we, we had those same types of games in high school, college, and, you know, some of the rivalry with, with AM. I told him, I said, you know, those guys ended up, we still talk and, and communicate on Facebook pretty regularly. I said, so, you know, you, you may think you're, you're, you're ready to go toe to toe today, but down the road, you laugh back at these uh, competitive times and the rivalries, but what a special team that was. And, you know, looking back, they did get beat out of losers bracket by LSU, but that was an LSU team that had some pretty good, pretty yeah. good pitching with Ben McDonald. And they, they, uh, they had Paul it's, Bird. They yeah. had, uh, you know, they, they had about four big leaguers that they could throw at you. So if anybody was going to come out, be okay coming out of the losers bracket, you know, you, and you have that perspective because you see how good those guys were in their major league careers. But yeah, And they had Lyle Mouton hitting bombs up out of the stadium. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. That was an amazing time. I, I, to me, 80, 85 to 93, I thought were some amazing years. And I know Texas has had increments of every five years where there's some amazing baseball. But that 85 to 93 was something special. 83 oh, yeah. to 93, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You talked about your son uh, briefly. David Dressendorfer, um, he's senior infielder and pitcher at Round Rock for uh, John Carter's club up there. And you guys just won the district championship this week. And that is why the congrats, congrats, congrats. Thank you. And Mike Barnes, our, our all mutual friend posted something uh, about a two weeks ago, a split screen of you pitching mm-hmm. Texas and then David at round rock. I mean, when you look at that, I know when I looked at, I don't know hard. Did you see that split screen photo? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I called Kurt right after that. You know, what I'm I called Kurt right after that. that, that that's amazing. <laughs> they had that look, man. That's that. That's that dressing door for look about that life. <laughs> I know it's different for both of you being dads when you see that, and then it does. Was that kind of a reality moment? Like, wow, that's part of me. That's my son. That what 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 was it when when you saw that? Because when I saw it, it took me back to you when you were a youngster or a young pitcher at Parallax. Oh yeah, no, it, it does. I it, it's it, 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 you know, you do get a little emotional. I appreciate Mike coming out and doing that. And like you said, we've we've all kind of grown up in this town together, and it's uh, you know special relationships we all have. And 
you know, when he put the split screen together, I didn't know he was going to do that. And it does, you know, obviously me from the right side, my son from the left side, you know, it's my, you know, my son even got a kick out of it. And, you know, he's, he's 18 years old. So they, you know, they don't kind of like, you know, doing that stuff but uh <laughs> you know you know I, I know he always favors me look with his looks but you know that that really kind of brought it home uh from the right and left side oh i thought it was something special um i, I just i know uh hards your kiddos when you see those photos when you have you had any comparisons to your photo when you were that age compared to what your kid kid or kids now I wish my kids would play baseball. I'm still trying to get them to play baseball. They're kicking soccer balls, basketballs around, and throwing the football around. So <laughs> I might put them on the football fit pitcher out there. But yeah, I mean, I you know, as a parent, and I know Kirk can attest to this because he's got a daughter as well, and I got my daughter, and so it's it's a totally different type of party. But when you watch your kids do something, and they get that joy that you felt that's the best part of it all. You know, a lot of people live vicariously through them. And I'm sure Kurt is on, he's behind home plate, looking at every pitch, checking out the mechanics, because that's just what we do as parents, you know, uh, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, and I'm glad that Kurt has that opportunity with his son because he is talented and he does understand it. And I remember me and Kurt actually used to coach against each other during the summertime with our, our travel teams. And I was watching him as he grew up. I was watching his son grow up and, and I was like, okay, he's working on it. Let's see if he gets the size. Let's see if he gets this. Let's see if he gets that. And now you look at him and my man's left-handed. So he's already got an advantage, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's been a beautiful thing. And, and I'm glad to see the success continue and the dressing door for name living on as a pitcher and, and, obviously winning when it comes to that because they just won the district championship so now that's big time Kurt uh I know we're running out of time here but uh in the Jimmy Saxton State Farm Insurance Agency man cave story time has arrived and I we would love to hear a man cave story it could involve coach Gus something in your younger past or something maybe happened in the clubhouse somewhere maybe here in Austin Trying to think of a, a good one. One, <laughs> the one I was telling the the other day, because um, we were talking about the university. Actually, uh, gentleman that that went to the University of Arkansas was was uh, at the game watching us Round Rock play. I guess it was Vista Ridge, and uh, talking about my my memories of you know going up to. Fayetteville and you know gotten one of those you know we always we you know we had a lot of knockdown drag outs with Arkansas back in the day and I remember Mike Oakwist who went on to pitch a little bit in the big leagues and uh, was the Friday night starter for them I believe this was my junior year and I was telling we we, we were in one of those back and forth games and you know they were pretty loaded and Greg D Alexander was their third baseman and I think in the sixth inning, he hit one, gosh, it had to be 450, 500 feet off me talking about when you give them up, you give them up. And, uh, you know, I gave up a lot of home runs because, you know, you throw a lot of fastballs you know, when they go, they go, they're not cheap. And, uh, you know, he comes up again 
we had just taken the lead five to four. It had gone back and forth. I think that home run put him up. We got the lead back. And I think he let off the ninth inning with us up by, by one run. And I remember I hit him with the first pitch in the back with a fastball. You know, and I know, <laughs> here comes Coach Gus. I, I know the reputation. You know, I grew up that kid. You know, so I, I knew with the conversation, <laughs> I, I knew I was, you know, guilty before proven innocent. So I told Coach Gus, I said, listen, I know, it, I know the situation. I said, I did not hit him on purpose. No, he wasn't. Yeah. And I swear to this day, I did not hit him. I even don't, he even knew, you know, he's like, I didn't think you did, but I was like, coach Gus didn't buy it. I ended up getting out of the, the jam, but I was telling him how funny that was that, you know, you, you, you kind of had a reputation of pitching inside a lot. So everybody that you'd face, especially the, you know, middle of the lineup guys that have taken you deep, you know, <laughs> that, that, that was the question in everybody's mind. I was like, Hey, one run in the ninth inning, you know, you, you got to get him back here. You know, I was like, no, I, I, you know, so that was the story that kind of came to mind that was fresh top of mind with, but yeah. you know, there's a million of them that, uh, you know, that, that we can go on and on, but that was, that was a recent one. I love it. Anything to do with coach Gus is always a great story. You know, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> well, Kurt Dressendorfer, it has been an honor for us. And I know you and hearts go way back and uh, I know, you and I go back just a you know a few years, and uh, but not yeah. like you two have. You guys are were separated at birth almost. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> it has been a this has been long overdue, and we appreciate you making the time for us. Anytime, love being with you guys. You know, hope to see you guys out in the playoffs as hopefully the Dragons make a run here. But uh, yeah, good some good baseball about to start kicking off. Absolutely. No doubt, no doubt. High yeah. level, high level baseball yeah. games, man. So. Appreciate you, Kurt. Always a blessing to be around you, bro. And uh, I'll be in touch soon. We'll be in touch. Sounds good. Thank you Welcome, so buddy. Hey, Welcome. Thanks, KD. We'll see you soon. And we will wrap things up with segment two, Texas Spring Football. And Keandre Coburn gives a shout out to a certain hat company we're fully aware of. That's on the other side of the break. ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease affects over 15,000 Americans. A friend of and former guest of Stories Inside the Man Cave podcast, Bob Ballou, continues to do his best to find a cure for this nasty disease. The sports director of KI or CBS Austin will host his annual Under Blue Skies Golf Classic and party, benefiting the ALS Association of Texas on May 14th. To sponsor this wonderful event or register your golf teams to participate in a round of golf at Avery Ranch Golf Club on May 14th, log on to ALSTexas.org or contact Michelle Miller by email. That's Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at ALSTexas.org. Following the Under Blue Skies Golf Classic on May 14th will be a virtual party with a purpose. Let's all join arms and contribute to the Under Blue Skies Golf Event and Virtual Party and conquer ALS. (laughs) 
One of the most loyal fans of stories inside the Man Cave podcast since day one has been Jimmy Saxton, the former Longhorn and former Westlake Chaparral, and the son of a Longhorn legend who was a Heisman finalist. He is also our primary sponsor for all of your insurance needs. Log on to SaxtonInsurance.com or give him a call at 512-441-1082. Again, that phone number, 512-441-1082. Jimmy Saxton, an Austin original, and has been insuring Austin for nearly three decades. What that means to you? What does that mean inside the locker room on the field? And how do you fire up the players? How's everybody jacked up about all gas, no breaks? So let me tell you. So when they first got here and said that, I'm kind of like, man, this what is all gas on breaks? And at first, you know, going to the off season, I'm mean, off season. They was kind of slowly getting, like, getting us into everything how they want us to be. And then when, like, man, I want to say a couple weeks before spring ball, they put it on us on that Friday, all gas no breaks, and we seen them. We was like, man, this is this is real. They're not playing with us. They they wanted to go the way they want to go. So we just got to get on board and do whatever they told us to do. And then practice is literally all gas no breaks. So the big defensive tackle for the Texas Longhorns, big Keandre Colbert, who I think Harge is going to have a, I'm not going to say All-American, I'm not going to say All-Conference, but he will be a key peg in this Texas Longhorns first defense under Steve Sarkeesian. All gas, no breaks, wearing Mike Murphy's last stand hats, all gas, no breaks hat in that press conference. I needless to say, without saying it, Keen Andre Coburn, Coburn did not endorse any company in that interview, <laughs> but he was wearing Mike Murphy's hat. How about that for Big Mike? That's how that rolls, man. I mean, my, Big Mike is blowing up. And and I, let, let me just say this. <clears throat> and I know we said, tell me something good right. last week. <clears throat> but the interview you did with him initially, me introducing you guys, and having that conversation for what he's been able to do. I mean, that guy is a networking son of a gun. I thought I knew a lot of people. He has grown so much. <clears throat> the business has grown so much. He's making some key hires and doing some, some things to get the word out, but his network is growing, growing, growing. And I'm so happy from him for him because of the fact that he was making hats, man. You know what I'm saying? All about the University of Texas. And now the all gas, no breaks. He's got licensed by the University of Texas. There's a possibility of a couple other universities that may be licensing him here pretty soon. So keep an eye out on that. But I'm proud of him because he didn't give up on that dream. You know, think about it. You're making hats, man. And, and he's making a huge dent in the hat world. And I'm just happy for him. Yeah, man, I'm absolutely excited for him. And, and honestly, I know to him it seems like it's taken a long time, but this is all blossomed and blown up in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. For him, yeah. it hasn't been a short period of time. Right, right. Yeah, he, for sure. Uh, I, you know, I, you say that you introduced us and that, that story that included him about Occupy Left Field. Uh, you know, yep. Brian Mays followed that up with a nice little piece. Yep. Uh, and that was a tremendous. Now – one thing I know if Big Mike was here, the reason he's not here is because he's growing that business right now. Today is one of those days in which yes, he has high volume of business. 
when you look at the scrimmage and you and I and Big Mike and even Coach Mo off off of uh, outside of the podcast recording all said, hey, look, spring games are what they are, vanilla. Um, when you look back at that, and by the way, Malcolm Epps going to Arizona State, transfer, okay. I thought he was staying. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you look at the overall grade, we won't go through every position. Overall grade of this, uh, what you saw when you take in consideration, it's a spring game. Well, I'll give it a, 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 a B. And the reason why I give it a B because it was very vanilla. They were working through some things. They still are trying to implement the new offense. They're going through some pains because they didn't have a full complement of players to be able to do that. I mean, Derek Kerstetter isn't on the line. So the line was kind of, eh, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, Jake Majors did a great job, but Christian Jones, uh, Denzel Okafer, you know, those are the type of players that are going to need to step up. They've been on campus, it seems like for 20 years. So um, I, I just wish that we 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 had that line and we haven't really talked about a line. We haven't really had a conversation about it because you're still trying to create depth. Coach Sark was talking about it. You know, the the ones going against the ones, that's perfect. That's what you want to see. But was it truly the ones because of the players that I just mentioned that, you know, Derek Kerstetter is going to be a one. And then on defense, uh, Agent Zero, my man, DeMarvian Overshawn, Overshawn is wasn't out there. You still trying to figure out what's going to be in the linebacker position. They've got a bunch of grad transfers that are coming or transfer players. I keep wanting to say grad transfers, but transfer players that are going to be able to come in and provide some depth. You still don't know what's going to happen at the quarterback position. To me, I told you this a long time ago, and people are thinking I'm hating. I'm not hating. I just think that Casey is the starting quarterback, but Hudson Carr made some unbelievable throws. He was, he, he's got a, a quick release and he can put the ball where he wants to. And that's what it's all about. But, but when you look at this team and you say, where are they? The only thing that I would give an A is Dicker the kicker. I mean, he, Cameron Dicker, <laughs> yes. with his punting and his kicking was unbelievable. So uh, I, that to me was the only thing that you can give an A, but everything else is a B to a C because they're still working. Now, game one, then I'll have a better grade for you. Yeah, uh, I, I got I agree with you on everything you said, but I want to give the overall scrimmage from what we saw and, and take in consideration. Uh, and, and, and listen, any grades that we provide, we're just going off judgment off our eyes. It's not, a, right. it's not indicative what we think they'll do in the fall. Right. Um, B minus from me. Um, I did see, I do think this old line will be a legitimate position group, which will be a force and quarterback. I've been a Casey Thompson guy because I thought he needed a chance and he did so in the Alamo Bowl. And he did last year in one of the non-conference games. Uh, UTEP. UTEP, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hudson Card, I think he can play quarterback and be a gamer. I just feel like he needs to be on the field in, a, in, a, in another capacity. I think he's a starter somewhere. Um, that's just me. And that's why we're on here, you know, dishing out our opinions. I think they have a wealth of talent at cornerback. Um, I think BJ Foster, I think this staff is really going to help him in his maturation. Let's admit it. BJ Foster has a wealth of talent. And yeah. I think this is the staff that's going to bring him to the level of potential. 
Um, I'm just, you know, I still want to see how the development of the linebackers. And I think we all say that. Yeah, we do. We do. I mean, the linebacker position is going to be a key position. If you go back and look at what Alabama did throughout the years, the linebacker position is one that played a major role in the success in which they had. Um, I'm, I'm not too worried about the offense because if, if schemed properly, and that's what coach uh, Sark is, is known for is having the right schemes for his personnel. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. So I can't wait until, you know, the fall season comes back around and everybody's headed in the right direction because you can gauge a little bit from the scrimmage athletic wise, but you can't gauge a lot because he said it the best. It's a spring game. It's a practice. Let's just go with that. Yeah. And Schooler, going back to, uh, I, I would say DB may be his natural fit. I wouldn't have guessed that when he transferred in. Uh, right. Look good. Um, I don't think running back is going to be a concern anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> you are definitely right about that. That is safe to say. Hey, before we move forward, we got to give a shout out and say goodbye to say goodbye to his career. That is Sean Lee, 11 seasons, three Pro Bowl years with the Dallas Cowboys. Great talent, just injured constantly. We never truly got to see how good Sean Lee truly was. But I, I hate to see him go. But I think he made the right decision. Yeah, I think it's I mean, you know, the, the list of injuries and putting your body through that and you know, he's already mentioned it. He wants to be a coach, and but he needs to take some time away from the game. He needs to take a moment to kind of regroup, take care of himself, and just sit back and be a fan for a little bit, right? And I know that's easier said than done. I mean, when I decided to walk away from the game and retire, it was a tough, tough decision, but it, it, was, it was time. My kids were getting – my son was getting older. I needed to be around for him. And, and you know, the, the major league dream was about done, bro. You know, I put that time in already. So, you know, when you sit and you look back and you say, okay, Sean Lee's career, I know people are still saying, is he a hall of famer and all this other stuff. And, you know, that's a, that's, that's a prestigious group of men that are in that hall. So, I'll let other people debate about it. Cause I'm not going to debate about it. Cause I don't think he is a hall of famer. Did he mean a lot to the Cowboys? Absolutely. But if you look at his career, it was shortened because of injuries. Yeah. Injuries. I mean, and it's not his fault. The guy played with tremendous heart, passion, intensity, hamstring, wrist, toe, neck, knee, core muscles, and concussions. That's a guy laying his body out. And I respect that 100%. I hate it that uh, he didn't get to pan out like he wanted it to on a consistent basis. Right. Now, this is NFL draft week, and depending on when you're listening to this, there may have been picks already selected, but the Cowboys with 10 picks, Texans with eight picks, and a big shout-out to our Ohio and Colorado listeners for some reason, and we love y'all in the Buckeye State, in the Mile High State. I don't think that's what Colorado's called. but uh, it, is a, it is a Mile High play. <laughs> it ain't the state, but it's Mile High in Denver. <laughs> yeah, that's what Ricky Williams says, too. Hello. 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 But, you know, if you look at the Cowboys' 10 picks, I think at some point Jerry's probably going to trade up on day two. Uh, that's just an assumption. Or do you think they trade up or down with that 10th pick? I think they trade down. 
And, and well, actually, I think they stay right there. There's no need. They need to get a defensive player. I think they need to pull the Carolina um, Panthers path and draft all defensive players. Now, just like last year, C.D. Lamb fell to them, and you couldn't pass it up. Does, does Kyle Pitts fall to the Cowboys? And does Jerry, as much as he is in love with him, does Jerry pull the trigger or does someone say, Jerry, we can score 50 points, but the other team scores 51, we still lose. So we need to get somebody to stop somebody. Uh, I would be very disappointed if they didn't go either defensive back or offensive tackle. Or, or lineman, you know what I'm saying? I, if, if I don't, we don't need another skill position player. No, I've got the, I, my philosophy has always been, regardless of franchise, you always get an offensive tackle on the blind side yep. to protect the blind side of your quarterback. That's just, especially, especially when you just filled, especially when you just paid Dak Prescott a ton of money. So <laughs> yeah, that definitely, you need to protect that backside. Where's Michael Orr at? Where's Michael yeah. Orr? <laughs> hey, where's, his, where's his uh duplicate? We need one of Michael Orr. Where is he? Exactly. We need that blind side protection. Blind, blind side, baby. So That's Texans right. eight picks. Their first pick in until 67th overall. I think they're gonna move, make a move on day one. They, they can move up, trade. Well, that's the funny thing about the Texans. The Texans always seem to find themselves in a bad spot picking late. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why does this happen all the time for the Texans? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I, I agree 100%. Now, some humor. I thought it was a ridiculous question to ask any coach, but somebody in the media asked Kyle Shanahan, the former Longhorn receiver, the uh, son of the Super Bowl champion coach, Mike, and the 49ers head coach himself. Kyle Shanahan was asked, what do you think your roster will look like on Sunday? And this is what he had to say. Um, I can't guarantee that anybody in the world will be alive Sunday. So I can't guarantee who will be on our roster on Sunday. Um, so that goes for all of us. You know what that's called, brother? What? What is it? Opening your mouth. Yeah. It is, please don't say anything, bruh. You sound crazy. You sound crazy as hell. Like, Seriously, Sean, why why in the hell is that what you say? You could have said anything else. I don't know what my roster is going to look like on Sunday. I don't know if I want to trade. I don't know this. I don't know that. But you're going to say, we might all not be here on Sunday. Huh? <laughs> what? Hey, and the son of Mike Shanahan, I would have never guessed he would say something like that to the media. Um is there is that true yes do you say that no <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> but but it was funny because his, his tight end george kittle said coach i will be here on sunday right here coach. i'll be here i'll be i'll be present on sunday That's like, hilarious. what in the world makes what are you thinking about at that time bro like seriously that that is the most asinine damn thing i've ever heard in my life even myself was zero filter. Well, minimal filter. I, I was going to say minimal. Minimal. I, yeah. I think I don't think I would have said something like that in that situation. You know? It just didn't make sense, man. And and, and you know I, I love Kyle. Yeah. Hook him, hook him, Kyle. What's up? But you sound like 
you on that good stuff out there in California, bro. <laughs> <laughs> from the from the Baja side of Mexico. Exactly. Yeah, something, bro. Not that I know anything about that. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've heard. I've heard. Uh, now, the transition to college basketball, big shout out to Chris Beard, the new head coach. He is literally you, – you had stated it, you know, when your son was playing at Tarleton State, and it, he has a track record, specifically the story when you were telling it when he was at Angelo State. The guy knows how to evaluate and scout transfers and has a uniqueness about him that lures in those guys. College basketball has, you know, this one year, and they're always – ability to transfer to another program dylan DeSue, a guy that you and i both know or are acquainted with pflugerville hendrickson high school i i know i did a story on him back in the tv days in 2018 quality kid tremendous upside for a big guy he, he signed with vander vanderbilt and his stats in each category they're not going to shout at you but they're productive and that's to me for a six foot nine guy I think he fits in well with what Beard is trying to do. And, that, and that's the thing that I, if you, again, thank you for pointing out the fact of what I said about Beard's track record and who he is as a, as a recruiter, but he finds guys that fit him, right? Like this is how we're going to play. And if you can play like this, we're going to have success. And he makes you feel like you're going to be the key to getting to the promised land, right? Yeah. And that's recruiting, but his style of play and the way that he goes about his 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 coaching style, it fits perfectly. Now, the kid from Hendrickson, he said he wanted to be a Longhorn, but the previous staff didn't recruit him. When have we heard that, 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 that before, though? Right, and, and that's the thing. Yeah, he's athletic, he's long, he can get up and down the floor. He's a he's a Dennis Rodman starter kit, you can say, because he, he does work the boards. He led the SEC in rebounding. Why is it that Texas doesn't go after those kids that fit what Shaka was trying to do, the, the, the Havoc defense? Those are the guys. You don't need the one-and-dones. You don't need the the, the, the the players that you think the people want to have. Right. You need to be comfortable at who you are, and that is the University of Texas. Don't, don't get caught up in everything else. It's like Coach Sark said when he took the job. I'm an offensive coordinator, so I'm going to offensive coordinate. Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with being that coach? Like, he's comfortable in his skin and who he is, and it's him being as talented as he is calling plays – that's why he became the head coach at the University of Texas. So why are you going to change what you do? Tom Herman did that. So, so, so Chris Beard, you're going to be in your face, going to be tough, going to make everything uncomfortable for you, the opposing team, coming in to play against them. We've seen it wherever he's been. He took Arkansas Little Rock to the NCAA tournament. And won a game. And won a game. So, and look at McMurray where he was. They played well. South Plains, they played well. Angelo State played well. So his track record is that. And the thing I love about it is he's like not holding back. He's not changing who he is. He's just happy to be back at the University of Texas. 
Yeah, and and he's not afraid to back down to a challenge. I know that's no. somewhat cliche. Shocker right. got lost into the art, and I know people will disagree. The art of people pleasing. That's right. my, that's that's my opinion. Great yep, yep. guy, great guy. Love Shocker. Love Shocker. Now, you're from the two five four. There it is. Holla back. How upset are you about this woman right here who had a lot to say in Baton Rouge? Well, I'm going to take this damn mask off. Because I have a lot to say. She expressed her opinion, Kim Mulkey. She did everything imaginable at Baylor in your home area code. It was time. I, I, I think if they, but it was shocking to say the least out of nowhere that she left for LSU. But I disagree that it was time. And the reason why I say I disagree that it was time is because she was just damn near in the national championship game. Well, that's true. So, I mean, I mean, she, it's not like she's trending down. No. She's still riding high. Uh, people are saying that it's the Vic Schaefer effect. I'm like, Kim Mulkey ain't scared of anybody. You know <laughs> no. what I'm saying? She, she scares me. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just, I just, look at what Kim Mulkey did for Baylor and at that time and a lot of people hate her a lot of people just strongly dislike Kim Mulkey but a lot of people dislike people that are at the top too regardless of how they got there so uh could respect you know her introductory press conference she said Kramer's mom came home because her son <laughs> her son played shortstop for for LSU yeah and and now is in the Cardinals organization. But when you look at what Kim Mulkey brings to the table and what she brought to the table, people hated her because she didn't she didn't give a damn about what she thought. She just wanted to make sure that they were getting them trophies. That's and right. she had a great rivalry with Gino Ariema. She's been a great rivalry with everyone in the Big 12. But she she left on her own terms and she was at the mountaintop. And I know you know, when we look at the big 12 and we're, we're in Austin, Texas. So we expect, we expect Texas to be in the mix for everything, but what she did and, and we're not going to get like the Aggies and go sec everything, but she represented the big 12 uh, in women's basketball for a very, very long time. And they were at the mountaintop. Absolutely. You know, and when I was uh, covering OU, uh, from late 06 to 2012, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Kim Mulk is the reason she started the downward trend of Sherry Cole at OU. That's Kim Mulkey was solely responsible. For Karen that. Ashton. Yes. Karen Ashton too. Yes. I mean, people were mad because Texas wasn't beating Baylor. Yeah. But Kim Mulkey was getting grown women that was out there hooping, man. You can't beat Brittany Griner. Three you know what I'm championships. Yeah. In Waco. In Waco. You know, and now Scott Drew's got a national championship in Waco. Dude, so, time. yeah. I mean, title town. <laughs> Ugh. Can't believe I said that. 254 <laughs> represent. 254 represent. There it is. There it is. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, we had Kirk Dress and Dorfer on. Segment one. You know, most humble guy. It's part of that UT pitching legacy. Sounds like, to me, he's on board with what David Pierce is producing right now with that team. And I agree 
despite that loss that ended that 16 uh, game win streak on Sunday uh, at Oklahoma State in that new stadium, I, I man, I, I still think this is a national top eight seed. And as of right now, they would be if the right. season ended right now. Right. I mean, you're right. This is a this is a different type of baseball team, and and I give Coach Pierce a lot of credit for what he's done with this team the difference uh, early with the lineups and I'm going to say it until I'm blue in the face. Douglas Hodo changed the way that team was playing. He doesn't get enough credit. I, I I'm staying with that dude. He's an unbelievable athlete. And once he got into that lineup, Texas really started to take off because he was bringing so much energy and so much uh, electricity with his bunning, his speed. And I know Eric Kennedy's turned it on and Mike Antico has done a great job. Faltini's making unbelievable plays at shortstop. Cam Williams, the hammer, is dropping bombs all over it. Zubia getting inside the park home runs and triples. And, uh, oh, my God, Zubia. Uh, inside right. the park. Right, right. And then, you know, behind the plate, you, you got Ardwan doing his thing. And obviously the home run King Melendez, I, I, I'm looking at this team and, and Mitchell Daly, oh. Staley doing his thing over there a second. I mean, this is a, they look like they enjoy playing baseball together. And when you have that type of chemistry and it looks like the players are leading this deal, uh, it makes coach Pierce's job easy. Yeah. And Sean Allen. Yep. Now correct me if I'm wrong. I should know this by now. So the three, four and five hitters, that's Zubia, Melendez, and then Hodo. Yeah. Or Ardwan, he's in yeah. the mix too. So Regardless if you're a lefty or a righty. Yeah, they, they stick in you. They stick in you. Imagine facing those three. I know. Back to back. Yeah. Oh, every, every, we talked to Kirk Dressendorfer, and we just talking about high-level baseball and every pitch being a high-level pitch. That's what these people are going through right now. High-level pitching, stressful innings because of the way that Texas is generating all these runs. It's uh it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. It's a lot of fun, bro. It is a lot of fun. And this is to, especially when you got Cam hitting from both sides of the plate. I love it. That's a throwback to me. You don't see many of those anymore. Now, I don't care, regardless of the outcome of this, this has not been fun for any of us in Austin. I know it's non-sports. We'll hit on it real quick. The prop B in Austin, uh, elections on May 1st. Early voting has taken place. I voted. Uh, the Prop B, which would end, which would reinstate the camping ban in Austin. Uh, Mayor Adler and Mr. Kazar. I'm not fan. I'm not a fan of Mr. Kazar. Um, Adler, nice guy, acquaintance. But as a mayor, I don't care what side of the fence you are politically. You cannot have. You've got to uh, reinstate this camping ban. And I know it's just an opinion of mine. It's just for the overall health and wellness of our city. I mean, am I overstepping my boundaries? That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I today was driving around downtown and and it's not a good look, man. It's not a good look for a city that was vibrant and everybody, you know, nature. Everybody comes to Austin because of the beautiful weather and the beautiful city and now people are like, what is really going on? And uh, it, I feel for those people 
Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't know their circumstances, but at the end of the day, we can't have people just posting up wherever they want to, you know, I mean, underpasses, stoplights, and, and then you put the fear factor in if, if it's late at night and people are there and then we don't even know what's happening at some of the places. We, we'll probably hear more horror stories uh, later on. So I, there's no doubt that this has to be changed. No doubt about it because our once beautiful city is now being talked about, being made fun of. And if we can, if there's something we can do to, to help these people find shelter, seek shelter, wherever it may be, I don't know, because I know that I, I, I have no idea where they could go. And that was my other question. Like what happens? What happens now? What's next? There's all right. This, okay. Prop B would, reinstate the camping ban yeah right right having said that to right now that's the best solution however there's no there's a bet it's the best solution right now but we there's no great plan because there are homeless people as you said i'm very compassionate about that you know compassionate for everybody's well-being right 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 being camping out on the streets anywhere you're posting up as you said that's not a good solution but what i know is there's been some uh, propaganda out there saying that there's nowhere in Prop B that Prop B is criminalizing homelessness and not offering any solutions. No, that's not the, what it is. Prop B is banning camping. It does not say in any language saying that there will solution, there, there was ending this, the, the, the discovering a place, shelter for these people. It's going to require more city level and nonprofits to get together and create these type of uh, co-ops for homelessness, for homeless folk, the population. And there are projects taking place right now. We can't make this a political debate at all. Yeah, uh, yeah don't, don't make it political. I mean, as you look at what's happening right now, it, it's, it's discouraging. Let's just say that. And it's unfortunate for those homeless people, but you can't just post up anywhere you want to. I mean, every neighborhood or underpass or even side of the road, it seems like there's something posted up. I was driving uh, the other day and uh, Lindsay, my wife looked over to her right and she was like, what is that? Like I said, yeah, you see somebody got a clothesline hanging out in between some trees with their clothes on there. And I'm like, right on the side of the highway. And I mean, again, so far in our lives, we've been blessed and we haven't had to go through anything like that. And I, and again, I don't know the circumstances in which this led to that. So I'm not here to pass judgment. What I'm here to say is well, you can't be just standing on the side of the road. You got to figure out something. You got to figure out something. And Austin, Texas has to get this done. Hey, Ben, tell me something good. Hey, be sure to tell your son, Hards, that he is a natural at Smooth Transitions. And he needs to tell us something good at some point on one of these episodes, Hards. Sounds like a plan. He he got plenty to say. That's for doggone show. <laughs> I promise you that. I promise you that. Hey, go ahead, my brother. Tell me something positive. 
Or good. Well, so, since my since my son was the one who led us into this, it, it's only right. Uh, two things. No, one thing that's good. He made the uh, honor roll again for the yes, third sir. third nine weeks where he's on the A honor roll. This kid has never made a B in his life, and I think he would cry if he ever made a B. But most importantly, the Austin FC new soccer team, um, they've played two games now. They got their first win. They scored their first goals in the in, in the second game. And, and it's good for the city. They don't get a chance to play at home until June 19th. A long but time. That's a long time. And they're on the road again this weekend. But it's it's good to see the city enjoying a major league sport even though it's soccer and and i know you pay attention to this because you and i have talked about this before sean um people are moving to austin at record numbers and they're coming from all over the world um our city is no longer just a football american football city it's a football international city now because there's so many different people that are are moving here but you know to to have a major league team that is doing unbelievable things and creating a different buzz in the city i want to give a shout out to them for getting their first victory and scoring their first goals in their in that victory so Verde, 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 Verde. Austin, FC. There we go. Sean, tell me something good, bro. I will, my brother. Jimmy Saxton would be proud because his insurance agency is sponsoring. Tell me something good. Hey, I'll go deep on you on this one. Uh, You know, when we had Anthony Geronimo on, it made me think that, okay, just because a chapter ends doesn't mean it's hard at first. Uh, I was grateful that I was able to walk away from the chapter that was the, the sports media for 21, 22 years. You know, I just made that decision. I was grateful that I walked away on my own terms. There's not a day goes by that I don't think about it and uh, miss it. But I'm grateful that I walked away because I have gained several new perspectives on life. And here recently, and it, it's uh, because I want to win at everything that I am involved with. And, you know, I recently went on a trip, uh, a seminar, and there was a quote that I gained from that. And this quote is, and it's, it's, it's been said, it's been stated before. And think about this. Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think Ooh. that is something good that we should all utilize every day. Don't compare yourself or anything that you have or anything that you don't have to anyone else's possessions. Comparison is a thief of joy. We all should have some type of joy in our lives present. Say it again, boy, good stuff that shine. That's what I'm talking about, baby. So, man, I, I enjoy talking. I love our conversations, but it's always more fun and it's always another element when we have all of us. And we missed uh, Big Mike, had good reason. Coach Mo had some uh, family business to take care of, man. And we, it'll be good to see and hear those voices very soon. No doubt. Shout out to Kirk Dressendorfer for jumping on with us. So I appreciate Kirk. Um, I know it sounded like I got a man crush on that dude, but I don't. I just know that he's a bad SOB. And, um, 
I, I just wish that Texas would pay more attention to those types of players and get them the recognition that they deserve because 45 and eight, 15 complete games, uh, three-time All-American in the, in the Hall of Honor at the University of Texas, but also uh, National Collegiate Baseball uh, Hall of Famer. His name deserves to be up on that wall. And I know it's reserved for special reasons, but there are, are always exceptions, and I think he needs to be up there. Well, exceptions were made for Roger Clemens. Yep. I believe Keith Moreland and Vince Young. In football. Hello. You know, Vince Keep it moving, but He won the Heisman, but. Right. And, but I get it. But all deserving. So, before we close this out, I want to I just add to what you said. Keep that space reserved for those four-syllable name of Kirk Dressendorfer <laughs> up at the dish. It's number one zero ten. Kurt Dressendorf. Love it. Love it. For the absent Big Mike and Coach Mo, Harbaugh Harge, and one of our favorite pitchers of all time, Kurt Dressendorfer, we out. Holla at your boy. We out. Wake your ass up. We good, player.